Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot. Connect to more. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. We'll be joined here in a moment or two by Glenn Winthrop, the director of The Last Champion. Brand new movie available on Amazon, Google Play, starting tomorrow. Look forward to this. Set in Great Falls, Montana. If you missed anything in hour number one, check it out on the podcast, the Two Tell Nuanas podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe, and uh, get them on, well, Apple, Google, etc. The podcast is available thanks to our friends at Blackfoot Communications. If you want to call, 361-3688 is the phone number. 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rangage Brothers RV phone line. You can also uh, go ahead and text that line if you would like to. And... You want to listen live, you go to the website, 1029ESPN.com. You click on the Listen Live tab and you jump in the stream. The stream is available all the time. Thanks to our friends at Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Well, we do a lot of sports around here. I mean, it is ESPN Radio, Coulter, after all. It's what you're supposed to do. And this certainly has a very obvious sports tie, but we jump out and into the world of a film. And we're happy now to go to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line and welcome in the director. New movie called The Last Champion. I believe it's coming out tomorrow. Amazon and Google Play. Glenn Winthrow with us. Glenn, thank you so much for being with us today. How are you? Hi, guys. Uh, very well, thank you. Yourself? 
we're we're doing great. We appreciate you taking the time out and joining us. And uh, my con- pleasure. Congratulations on on this movie. Uh, we we we've watched the trailers for it and everything else is spectacularly shot. And obviously, also a really sort of an inspirational story this time of year. Maybe especially in twenty twenty. What got into you though? Where you say out of the million stories that you could go out there to tell, I think this is the one that 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 I want to do. How do you go about sort of dissecting how you want to go about these things, these decisions as a, as a, as a director. Right. Uh, well, I write with my, my wife, Hallie Todd and daughter, Ivy Withrow. Um, and when we, when we sit down and we start trying to put together projects in our head and we start throwing out ideas, this theme came back to us, the underdog and comeback story because they're universal. And, um, so we said, let's do that. And then let's put that story with, um, you know, with the backdrop with wrestling, because uh, a lot of our characters in that film are struggling and wrestling struggling is grappling. And it was a perfect metaphor for that film to, uh, um, to show. And it was that simple. And then uh, took us about 17 drafts to get it to where we wanted it. Well, way to, way to press through 16. Sorry. Way to press through 16 and get all the way to 17. That was That's what you got to do. You got to refine it all the way to the last, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's a sports story. So it's something that I think we need right now, especially um, so it's very serendipitous how it came together with um, all of us being locked down and locked out. And, you know, we need sports. And uh, this was a perfect uh, vehicle for us anyway. Thanks so much for joining us. Glenn Coulter Nuana is here. Tell us about the, tell us about the origin point being in Great Falls. I mean, Great Falls, Montana has great athletic lineage. The Great Falls high school wrestling program in real life is one of the dominant programs in Montana. They won the, the state championship a year ago. So what led you to making this movie about a town in the Treasure State? Well, it was really uh, it wasn't it wasn't really in that town. It was in the town of, of uh, Garfield, Washington. We uh, we used Sorry, we used uh, Great Falls as a, uh, a backdrop for one of the schools, and um, so that that's it. That it, it was it was you know centered in Garfield, Washington, about a town of 650 people. Uh, Great Falls is a little too big, and um, so I'm I'm sorry if you were misled by Great by uh, you know thinking the film was shot there. Well, it does. It ha- it has a couple of those elements, but to your point, uh, 650 people, rural America, right? I mean, that's that's yeah. part of the maybe allure of this, maybe part of the story of this. It, 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 almost in the back, well, it's in the foreground, but there the, the struggle, right, at times, whether it's financial, whether it's you know tough living, whether it's tough times for a particular town, and all that gets wrapped right. up into this story, right? Right, and and that particular city is, is, you know, in the Palouse, that environment, uh, was a perfect environment for John to come back home to, you know, because it's really down in this little valley and it's, uh, it, it, everybody knows your, your business. Um, so everybody knows what everybody else is doing. That's not in a negative way, but it was a perfect place for him to come into and, and flip out of without being noticed. But, uh, he got noticed and you couldn't do that in a bigger city. You know, you had to really drill down into a smaller kind of, like you said, rural environment. 
where uh, you know he hurt this he hurt these people, and uh, it's the last place he wanted to come into. But you know he came back because you know the mother died, and he had to sell the property to get some money to get back out of town. Glenn Withrow joining us. He's the director of The Last Champion, brand new film uh, coming out tomorrow. You mentioned that that uh, you wrote this film with your wife, uh, Haley Todd, and also uh, uh, your daughter, Ivy, and I think she was part of the directing and producing in this as well. Your wife is, star, you know, is a, an actor in this film as well. Is that, yeah. I, I got to think that's great and rewarding in one sense, and also is it sort of difficult, I mean, to direct your wife? I don't think my wife loves it if I try and pull that off, so I don't know how that goes. And then also working with your with your daughter, too, in the process. Is it fun? Is it challenging? What's that like? Well, it's actually fun. Um, we we all get along very well, and, you know, we have our, we have our uh, my, my daughter's an attorney now, so I can't win any arguments at all. Right. Um, I used to be able to win them, but you know, we, uh, we, we have a, a good time bantering it back and forth and being obsessed about, you know, trying to get it right. And with Hallie, as far as acting, I mean, she's, you know, she's, you know, she, she's a pro. She's had, you know, five series and the greatest TV mom of all time. One of the greatest TV moms of all time, although you don't see it in this film, but, uh, right. you know, you don't have to do too much. You just kind of point the camera. I trust her and she really brings a lot of, uh, wonderful qualities to uh to her work so it's easy i want to ask you about the the parallels between wrestling and perseverance did you first of all did you have any wrestling background yourself before you dove into this project i did man i was uh i wrestled in kentucky 98 pounds um won the conference regional and played sports in state uh that's always bugged me because i think i should have won state but i had come down with monocleosis between uh like the regional and going into state, but oh. you know, yeah, I won, you know, most valuable wrestler and uh, most outstanding wrestler. So it, it was a big part of me with wrestling and, and Dan Gable um, was my hero basically, you know, growing up and suddenly um, I, you know, I got his number from uh, one of the guys who was doing all the wrestling choreography and uh, I called Dan up and basically begged him to be in and you know, he's tough. And he was, uh, he read the script, his wife read the script and he finally said, yeah. And then he told me he has to get, I have to get Jason and he goes, well, why don't you get Randy Lewis? And suddenly I've got two Olympians and an Olympian, you know, broadcaster. And, uh, it was just fantastic. You know, he got the, uh, medal of freedom today, the presidential medal of freedom. I don't know if you guys saw that. I did. And that was going to lead me to my next yeah. question about Dan Gable. So that's amazing. So when you were crafting the character of John, right, the main character in this film, did you, I know that the yeah. movie is not about Gable, but did you use some of the better parts about Gable to craft sort of your character that is an elite Olympic wrestler? Uh, no, I just, I just crafted, you know, an, an Olympian, a human being. And, uh, what we did was, you know, someone on the level of like Lance Armstrong, and we wanted him to be on that level. And uh, so we said, well, you know, he could, you know, maybe a state champion, this nigga. And then we decided, no, let's just take him all the way to the Olympics. And then let's tear him down um, and, and try to bring him back. And that's what it was. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, when you put these things together, I mean, you can't help but look at all the, the great people. I mean, Gable, and, you, and, you know, you're reading his quotes and you're, you're doing things. But, um yeah, no, we didn't have a particular person in mind at all when we were doing it. We just uh, crafted a, a human being. 
Glenn Withrow joining us. He's the director of The Last Champion uh, coming out tomorrow on uh, on Amazon streaming services as well as Google Play, I believe. Is that right? Is it, Where else is this going to be available? Just those two or others as well, Glenn? No, it's uh, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, um, and then it'll uh, start moving into the streaming and direct and all that those type of things. Great. There's a sequence of uh, events that you know, the film sort of has to go through. You know, I wanted to ask you about, you, you had mentioned, you know, the, the, the overcoming adversity, the being high and then being torn down to low and trying to build back that always plays. But what do you think it is about those stories that res- resonate so much with, with everybody? I mean, there's a bunch of people who maybe haven't even overcome very much, but yet they still love those stories. Obviously, people who have that love those stories. Why is that? Well, I think we all make mistakes. You know, I mean, all this fall. And I think witnessing others overcome their pain and obstacles in their way, um, whether that's by outside forces or self-created is, is inspiring when somebody can come back through that. And I think um, um, telling these type of stories are a way to engage someone and, and to engage an audience and get an audience pulled in to connect the viewers to, to a you know, sort of a shared sense of humanity. And I, th- I think that's why we like them. And um, takes us out of the, out of uh, certainly this one, I think we'll be able to pull people away from all the political stuff going on and this COVID and everything and, you know, stay at home and, and watch something that's gonna make them feel good, you know, for a couple hours. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, again, lucked out with, um, it coming out when it's coming out now and everybody wanting to be home for the holidays. But I think that's the thing, you know, it's, uh, that's what I think about that. Yeah. Well, last question for me, Glenn, what do you hope people learn when they watch this movie? But more importantly, did you learn anything in, in the making of this film? What did it teach you? Well, you know, I'll tell you when you're making a film, films don't want to be finished. And being a wrestler and being a champion wrestler, not on the lines of Gable, but, you know, my own championship, um, it, it taught me to persevere. It taught me to persevere in Hollywood. You know, I've been doing it for a while. And, you know, there's a lot of rejection. And you just got to bob and you got to weave and you got to do this and that. And um, I think it, for me, perseverance has always been there. But I think it taught my daughter. I was able to sort of pass that down to to Ivy and say, this is what you have to do. I mean, when people say no, 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 you collect those no's and, and you move forward and, and try to, you know, just don't give up. And, um, I think that's just, in my opinion, top athletes and, and wrestlers in particular, I think, you know, the really good guys, I think, I think they know that deep down and, um, it's hard. It's a, it's a hard business. But I, I can tell you a really quick story if you have time. But with Dan Gable, I was shooting the scene, and it's a scene where I don't know if you've guys seen the whole film, but where they walk out onto into the stadium. It's at the end of the, at the end. It's the final match, and we were shooting this thing for uh, I guess a few hours. I wasn't happy with the take because he walks all the way from the locker room all the way out to the mat. Right, it's a big walk, one big camera move. And the guy couldn't get it right. He was not doing this or that. And finally, I said, oh, great, we got to take take number 16. 
I don't know what the thing is about 16 and 17, but um, <laughs> I got Dan because Dan was in the shot, but I pulled him over. He couldn't see it. And I go, well, Dan, you know, what do you think? Because uh, I didn't care what anybody else thinks. It was like, I want to Gabriel's opinion. And he said, well, you know, it's an A. And then he looked at me and goes, but you want an A plus, right? And I went, uh, okay, let's do this again one more time. So uh, I learned that, you know, I think that y if you think something's good, you've always got a little bit more, a little bit more heart to, uh, to get it exactly right. And I think, uh, you know, I, I was really, really lucky. You know, I, I know he's coached a lot of people, but I thought at that particular moment, that was my own little personal coaching from, you know, the master. Right. That, oh, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> that is, that's a great story. L last one for you yeah. here, Dan, but you, you, as you mentioned, you've been in this a long time. You've been an actor, director and so on. But I, I what, you know, yeah. when you release a piece of art out into the world and now it's open to everybody's opinion and feedback and some of it's good, maybe some of it's not or whatever. And maybe a little bit, uh, yeah. you know, uh, there's some nerves, anxiety yeah. associated with that. But for you as a wrestler already, you know that 100% yeah. of the wrestling community of the United States is watching this movie over the holiday weekend. I mean, there's there's not a lot of yeah. movies out there that center on the sport. And so for what's it like to think about that group of people, which you are one of those people, but now they're going to be in this and thinking you know, whatever their thoughts are about this, and I think they're going to think great thoughts about this to have it, but is that weird? Um, well, uh I remember somebody asking me a question about this. I think it was Jason Bryant. And I said, uh, well, they can bring it on, bring it on because Dan Gable, you know, loved the film, approved of wrestling, thought it was wonderful. And I go, that's all I need. Right. Man. <laughs> you that's get a gold like medalist. The, the what champ, else you need? Right. Yeah. The champ gives me the uh, stamp of approval. I, I think, uh, you know, they may say, look, well, it wasn't, you know, a lot of, you know, wrestling is about cutting weight and that. And I remember Dan telling me that, you know, uh, you're not going to really make it about losing weight, are you? You know, when I first started speaking with him, I go, no, it's, it's not that. It's a, it's a very human story with wrestling as a, the backdrop sport. And um, so I, I think they'll like it. I think they'll, that fat last match, I think they'll get it. It's very real. It's not like these guys aren't Olympians. You know what I mean? They're high school wrestlers. And not everybody goes on to wrestle in college and, and uh and, and into the Olympics or nationals or whatever. So I'm okay. I mean, they can look, the film's done. I, I did the best I could possibly do. Um, and I think now the audience has to make up their mind whether or not it, it works for them. Well, it so, looks, it looks absolutely. Again, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I said, but again, you know, with Gable putting a stamp of approval on it, um, that was a big one for me. Cause I was, I was very nervous to have Dan watch it. Cause I really wanted to make sure cause those guys, the rest the uh, actors had never wrestled. A couple of them had wrestled a little bit, but the main actors, Sean, um, they had never wrestled. So they went into, you know, training for about two months and they really pulled it off. I was really, really impressed by what they did. Well, it's it's a phenomenal looking, beautiful film. Great story. Uh, again, a, an inspirational one as well. Which uh, what what better time of year and what better year for that, anyways? And uh, again, tomorrow it comes out. The last champion. Amazon, Google Play, uh, go check it out and uh, and give it a watch with your family over the holidays. Glenn Withrow, the director. Glenn, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it and congratulations. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Colter. Really appreciate you guys having me. Pleasure.
How about that, Coulter? A real, a real director from Hollywood on talking about his new film coming out tomorrow. That's pretty cool. That's going to be awesome. It looks like a great movie. It looks like uh, definitely one that even if you're not interested in wrestling, I think that the uh, the lessons and the story itself are, are one that I think that most sports fans or most just fans of humanity will enjoy. Well, great, great movies are never about what they're about, right? Right. And so it really shouldn't matter if it's when it's done well like this one. You know, if you're into wrestling, if you're not into wrestling, whatever, that's it's secondary. And like you said, it's a metaphor uh, in a lot of ways as well. Quick break. On the other side, heck of an NFL weekend. We'll give you an update on the first of two Monday night football games going on right now between Washington and Pittsburgh. And we'll also take a look at what happened over the weekend. Coulter has been vindicated. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. Pittsburgh and Washington, it's a ball game. Well, if anybody, everybody thought it would be, but it is. The Steelers with the football. 316 left to go in the third quarter. They are up 14-10 over Washington. The 11-0 Pittsburgh Steelers, a four-point lead over the Washington football team in the first Monday night football game. No, you can't watch it. No, no, you're not allowed. That's right. That's where the rules, they're not made for you. It's 2 Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, at Gus 2 Tell, at 1029 ESPN, at Skyline Sports MT. Those are your relevant Twitter handles. Uh, Coulter... Uh, we'll obviously track this game, but you wanted to take a look quickly at sort of the playoff picture because we're getting to that point, right? Week 13, uh, all the teams have basically played 12 games, and we have sort of a line out here of where teams are going to be if we do, in fact, have a seven-team playoff. What has stood out to you based on what happened this weekend and where teams are right now? Well, I think that we have all been in collective, uh, at least skeptical mode, if not utter denial, about the actual validity of the Cleveland Browns. But now the Browns are nine and three, which means according to the uh, uh, the Saber metrics that they I think that a nine and three team at this point in the season has a ninety three percent chance of making the playoffs. Well, what that means to Cleveland is that they have a seven percent chance of not making the playoffs. I mean, this it's is true. the way the Browns have historically. Well, we can gone. we can sit here in collective denial and sit here and wonder what's the deal with Baltimore, but at this exact moment, the Cleveland Browns are two and a half games clear of the Baltimore Ravens. That's right. Uh, here's the thing. They're two and a half games clear of the Baltimore Ravens, but until they play Baltimore again, which they do either this week or next. They play them uh, this upcoming week. Is it this week? Uh, the first time they played, it was an absolute embarrassing decimation of the Cleveland Browns. And uh, if you have progressed over the course of the season and you want to prove that that ain't who you are, then you need to uh, you need to win 
against a very injured, wounded animal, which is the Baltimore Ravens, who have been sliding. They've played some really good, really close games, even without their star players last week. But they're losing. They're losing those games. And so at some point, it has to turn for the Baltimore Ravens if they're actually going to not be the team that we thought they were, but if they're going to even just get into the postseason. And these are the weird ones. You go and you beat Tennessee, the Cleveland Browns, 38 points in the first half. Baker Mayfield, four touchdowns. Spectacular football game out of Cleveland against a very good Tennessee team. And everybody goes, okay. You know, like now it starts to get real. But it ain't going to be real for me with Cleveland until you're beating the Ravens and the Steelers in the AFC North. And that hasn't happened. Okay, they're seven, what is it, 70, 78 to 2? or 78 to 12, excuse me, I think is the two scores combined, something like that against those two teams. And now they have them in back-to-back weeks. 76 to 13. 38-6 and 38-7. Do they have to win both of these games? No. Do they have to win either of these games? Maybe not at 9-3. and But if you think that you, uh, if you're a team that wants to be, and thinks that talent-wise maybe you can get to the level of those two teams, then 38-6 or whatever, 36 is unacceptable. Unacceptable, period. And you know what You know what else is unacceptable? 28-17. Like, this has to be a game that you either win or, are, or, or it's a coin flip coming down the stretch to win to prove that you are at that spot right now. I don't think they need to prove that they're at any spot right now, though, because they're going to make the playoffs for the first time in 18 years. Here's the thing. It's a, it's such a hard dynamic because a week from today, the Browns and the Ravens are going to be playing each other, and it's going to be a must-win for the Ravens. Right. It's, it's true. But here's, here's what I'm going to say to you. For the fan base, for the organization – Breaking the first, you know, this playoff drought of 18 years and so on and so forth, being nine and three, it's great and wonderful. It's new. It's 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 awesome. Everybody's on Kevin Stefanski. Everybody's on Baker Mayfield. It's great. Okay. Baker Mayfield was what five, the six, the last time the Browns went to the playoffs. I think he was actually two. He doesn't he doesn't give a rip about that. He and cares, I think that's one of their biggest advantages. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And he so, said that in the post game. They asked him. They said, "Baker, you're on the doorstep breaking the the drought." He said, "We live in the here and now. We do not think about a single thing that happened before this season. All we're worried about is the next game. We're not we're not here to break some curse or make some postseason and have that be good enough. And that's my point. They don't want to be good enough to go to the playoffs, especially in an expanded playoff. They want to be good enough to be the best of the teams that have traditionally been the best in their division, which are, by the way, the teams who have traditionally been." the best in football, the Ravens and the Steelers. And so you have the opportunity twice every year to see where you're at against those teams. They played them very early, and it went very, very poorly. Now they get a chance again on a winning streak, feeling very good about themselves, playing good football. Let's let's see it. Let's see it this week. But that game against Tennessee, significance, fantastic win for Cleveland. A couple other takeaways from the AFC side of things. First of all, just be given the coach – the tradition, and the personnel. I'm still not counting the Ravens or the Patriots out of this thing. you got to prove it to me if you're the Browns and the Dolphins. I still could totally see fading. That's why the Browns' win was so impactful. It was their best win of the year, 
and it got him to nine wins. So now when you still have the Jets and the Giants on the schedule, you're in. Mm-hmm. You can you can get beat 38-7 to both the Ravens and the Steelers again. It's not good for your confidence. It's not good for your validation as a, a team that could potentially make a playoff run. But also, now you're to the point where you really, you literally can't have a meltdown that puts you out of the playoffs. The Dolphins, well, I don't think they will because I think that Brian Flores is the front runner for coach of the year in the NFL. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, Kevin Stefanski is not out of the conversation. It's either. true. That's absolutely true. Yeah. But I think that we, we've we been seeing the talent brew with the Browns for a couple years, mm-hmm. and I think the missing element was a coach, and Stefanski deserves a ton of credit. Mm-hmm. But nobody, nobody had the Dolphins any, anywhere. For sure. Nobody had the Dolphins anywhere. Everybody had the Dolphins in the top five of the draft again, Yeah, and they're a playoff team, at least for now. But it would, I mean, it wouldn't be that shocking, though. Even though the Dolphins are sitting here at eight and four, it would not be that shocking to me if the, if Miami faded from the pack. And I mean, here's the thing: is the the Patriots are basically in playoff mode right now. The Patriots have won four out of five. They're sitting here at six and six. They're at the Rams, at the Dolphins versus the Bills versus the Jets. Very worst case scenario, they got to go three and one in those games. But more likely, they got to go four and zero. But who who would you rather pick to do that? Bill Belichick, especially since they actually have a little bit of a formula now of how to win, even though they have limited personnel. Miami, they're versus the Chiefs versus the Patriots at the Raiders at the Bills. I don't think that the Dolphins are a favorite in any of those games unless they're a favorite oh, against they? Miami or against New England. They're, they're, they're going to be a favorite against, against, the, at, at Vegas. against the Raiders for sure. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. But all I'm saying, though, is that those are all, all of them losable games. They don't have the Jets and the Giants. Yeah, I mean that's that's fine, but New England if they got to go, I would much rather be the Dolphins with their schedule than I would be the Patriots with theirs. All I'm saying is it, one and three for the Dolphins is feasible, and three and one for the Patriots is feasible, and that means it's nine and seven both sides. And in that scenario, the Patriots would have swept the Dolphins, and the Patriots are in, and not that's the right. Dolphins. I mean, obviously they're going to play head to head, so yep. that's going to be hugely telling in what happens in that game, but also. That that but the game is going to be is going to have so much pressure on it because true or false the Dolphins are almost certainly going to lose to the Chiefs yeah on Sunday right right yeah. and the Patriots are almost well the Patriots have to win at the Rams that'd be tough but if they do win at the Rams now all of a sudden you got a seven and six versus an eight and five the, I, here's what, all I'm saying is the feasibility of the New England Patriots going three and one I I would have it far more likely that the that the uh, uh, Dolphins will do better than one and three in their next four yeah. than that the Patriots do three and one in their next four. All I'm saying, though, is there's the intangible element where they're sitting there in weeks 15, 16, and 17, and you need to do this to get in. The Patriots have done this to get in for 20 years. The Dolphins have never been in this situation before. Yeah. But La- last thing on the AFC, I know we got to get out. We can get to the NFC next segment. The Oakland Raiders remained alive. I texted, I remember texting my brother saying, What's the point of going one and fifteen? The Jets are so dumb. They should have just figured out a way to lose the game. I had no idea, none, until this morning that the New York Jets lost that game. They sure did. And then they lost their defensive coordinator. Um, I have a theory for you on Oakland. Oakland's looked great yeah. for looked good to very good is how I should say it. Sometimes for a portion of the season. They have. Then they go and they get the absolute doors blown off them against Atlanta. Yep. And then they should have, could have, would have lost to the New York Jets. Yep. Uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago now, if you recall, they were on, was it Sunday night football, the Raiders? They were. And 
all we heard was every call that Derek Carr makes at the line of scrimmage. All of the, it was one of the, it was like the big audio package. They were doing it even in real time. He was up there, and you're hearing it from some other quarterbacks. But this was like a big deal because it was really interesting and fun to hear him call out all these different names that was going on and all the different things. Gruden was very unhappy with, I, I forget which network it is, but with mm. the broadcast that this was all there and heard. And look, this is the reality of not having fans in the stands and everything else. You pick up all this stuff. I don't think it's an accident, man. Like, this is as close as I'm going to get to conspiracy theories. It's not but conspiracy I, theory. I, I don't think it's an accident that all of a sudden the Atlanta Falcons go out and hold the Raiders to six points the next week. They, it's all, they were able to put the puzzle together. It's not a conspiracy theory. That that happens in the NFL all the time. Yeah. Still in science, still in tendencies, all the now, time. Now, obviously, the Raiders know that it's on tape. They can't go out there and make the exact same thing every time. But, you know, you start to figure it out. The Raiders are such a fascinating team, though, because of their their upside. Honestly, of, of all the teams in the AFC, who has better wins than the Saints, the Chiefs, and the Browns? <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 true, but at the end of the and day, they were right matter. in it with the Bills too, all the way down the wire. And then they lost games that they shouldn't be losing. Well, that's not necessarily pounded. true, though. I mean, their losses are to the Patriots, which I just don't really think that that's a bad loss. It's to a the, bad loss to the Bucks, to the Chiefs. Their their only true bad loss is the Falcons. Yeah, and it was an embarrassment. It and, was an embarrassment. And also yesterday, that was a loss. It's two tell Nuanas one hundred two ninety ESPN Radio. Wrap up. Monday number last, right after this, talk some NFC. Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan and you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going to be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Hey, two tell new ones, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Good to be with you on a Monday evening. How do? If you missed anything in the show, listen on the podcast. The Two Tell Nuanas podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. You can rate, review, and subscribe uh, the podcast. Get it uh, on Apple, Google Podcasts, all those sorts of things. Spotify. It is available. Thanks to our friends at Blackfoot Communications. Uh, quick update: the Washington uh, football team just punted. The ball to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh on their last possession did manufacture a field goal. So they have the ball on their own 10-yard line, the Steelers do. Uh, 13-16 left in the fourth quarter, and Pittsburgh a seven-point lead, 17-10. 
the uh, the score. Peyton Barber, the touchdown for Washington, a rushing touchdown, and then for Pittsburgh, it was Johnson and Washington, the two pass catchers uh, on the receiving end of touchdowns. There for those of you in the uh, last last games of your fantasy regular season. You know, this is the last day of the regular season. Well, tomorrow now technically is for a lot of fantasy players interested in what's going on. So, uh, all right, Coulter, the NFC, you wanted to talk about this. The Saints have the best record in the NFC, uh, 10-2, and two, I believe, right? The New Orleans Saints, a couple of wins with Hill playing quarterback for them. The Packers are at number two right now, followed by the Rams after they got a win over Arizona and the Seahawks upset loss to the Giants. And in irony of ironies, the Giants, who now lead the NFC East, are the four seed ahead of the Seattle Seahawks, who they beat yesterday. Uh, the Seahawks have fallen uh, to the fifth seed. They are the number one team in that's not winning a division as of right now, followed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are on a bye, and the where there's a will there's a way even if it comes down to a kick in a overtime against a one-win t- team minnesota vikings who got another victory yesterday uh somehow some way and are there at the seven spot so also other N- nfc teams in the hunt the cardinals who uh have looked okay but you can't look okay you got to win football games period have to and they haven't been so they are on the outside looking in the 49ers who've come all the way around and look at it. You wrote the Bears. I'm just going to go ahead and say, nah, bruh. Nah, bruh. Uh-uh. The Bears up 10 in the fourth quarter. You're on. You're on. Mm. Bears up 10. Maybe my voice wasn't working. Well, that's, you know, possibility. Anyway, uh, your question for me, am I ready to believe in the Rams yet? It depends what you mean by believe. I mean, they're a good football team. Who do you believe in the in more than the Rams in the NFC besides the Packers? The the Saints? You think that the Saints have as good a chance as the Packers to win the NFC despite Taysom Hill playing quarterback? First of all, Drew Brees is coming back, but you didn't say the Packers. You said the Rams. Who do I believe in more than the, than in the Rams? And the uh, Who do I believe more in? Give me your NFC power rankings. You got the Saints ahead of the Rams. The Saints ahead of everybody. The Saints are number one in the NFC. The Packers right now are number two, and I'm happy to say that. Yeah. Um, the The Rams are in the third spot in terms of the seating right now. Maybe. What's the maybe? Seattle. But the Rams are better than Seattle. Mm. But they are. It's not clear. It, it is clear. No, it's not. No, it's not. You're, you're, you're doing a recency thing right now, which is justified. And what I'm saying is that these two teams are just about dead even, and they have been for about a half a decade. They just always go at each other back and forth. And so when I think about this, what I think about is who would win in a game in a postseason matchup if that was to come. By the way, we're going to see this game. The Rams and the Seahawks play in, is it 16? Week 16, I think. Uh, Second to last game of the season, they'll play each other. So there's going to be something on the line in that football game, it looks like. in, In Seattle. Seattle's got problems right now, no doubt. The Rams, who had problems early, are looking better now than they looked before. Yep. Solving your problems as the season progresses, it's a much more ideal scenario to be in than having problems surface 
that then you have a hard time remedying as the season progresses. The biggest issue for the Seattle Seahawks right now, their their weaknesses were absolutely defined and tangible from before when the season started. The weaknesses have been compounded, though, because of one thing, one reason. Well, last month, Russell Wilson's thrown six touchdowns and turned the ball over 11 times. That's it. That's all. Yeah. But let me ask you this. Who'd the Rams beat yesterday? Who did the Rams beat yesterday? The Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals, yep. Okay. Cardinals are a free fall. Four-game four losing streak. Who who was their second loss to in that losing streak? The Seattle Seahawks. Yep. Almost the same score. I don't recall what exactly the score was, but very similar. Then Seattle goes out and beats Philadelphia a week ago, who's a hapless Philadelphia team right now. Mm-hmm. And now we're having this conversation because they just lost to a team they shouldn't have lost to, period. And that's the Giants. And I understand that. They should not have lost to the Giants. That's a bad loss, period. There's no way There's no way around it. But it does happen. And I'm not sitting here going, you know, what I'm saying is that the, the win that the Rams had yesterday is the exact same win that the Seahawks had two weeks ago. It's the exact same one. You beat a struggling Arizona team in an okay fashion, you know? I'm not ready to sit here and write anybody off or say definitively that anybody's better than anybody. And I might even include Arizona in that, even though they're, they've lost four in a row. Part of that is Kyler Murray. He's hurt, man. Like there's, he's, he is hurt. he's hurt. And also they have a coach that doesn't know how to manage this portion of the season. Yeah. Well, here's, here's the thing about the NFL. When you got the nice flashy new unscouted offense, it works well for almost everybody. It works well for almost every team in the NFL. If you have a, any sort of functioning personnel offensively, when your scheme, your strategy, your tendencies are a mystery, it works well. Mm-hmm. The elite teams, they hit a roadblock where it stops working, and they redefine themselves, they hone it in, or they get better at executing. The Seahawks were letting Russ cook, and they're still trying to let Russ cook, and it's not going as well. they got to pivot. Well, they, they, it's they not to say they have that not it's, had it's, any of the production that they had. It's not to say that they can't or they won't. If there's a ch- team in the in the league that has a chance to pivot, it's Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, the Seattle Seahawks. There's right. no question about it. I just think that the Rams have pivoted and ha- are on an upward trajectory. The Cardinals have hit a wall. Their main playmakers hurt, but they also are on a downward trajectory. I, I just think that trajectory going into the playoffs, especially this particular year, is going to be an enormous factor. I totally agree with you. Hey, Boys and girls, guess what happened over the weekend? Lost Trail Powder Mountain opened up. So go. Go get your skiing in. They're open from Thursday through Sunday. Okay, 930 to 4. Tickets are available at off-site locations. Go online to losttrail.com. You can check them out there. You can get season's passes. They got all kinds of safety measures in place so we can have a great ski season. Open for business. The ski season is here at Lost Trail Powder Mountain. Again, go Find all the information online, Lost Trail Powder or LostTrail.com. Coulter, Monday Night Football, Bills, Niners, who you got? Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 